The following program was made possible by the generosity of those who have determined to hold fast to the true Roman Catholic religion, as expounded by the Roman Catholic Church before the disasters of Vatican II and the so-called New Mass. Hello and welcome to another live edition of What Catholics Believe. I'm your host, Thomas Nagley. With me tonight is Father William Jenkins. He is a traditional Catholic priest, a member of the Society of St. Pius V. He's also the pastor of Immaculate Conception Church right here in Norwood, Ohio. Hello, Father. How are you tonight? Very fine, Tom. Thank you. And you? Not too bad, Father. Good, good to be good. here. <clears throat> good to see you there. Yes, you too. Father, did you want to uh, ask for any prayers tonight before we begin the program? Well, I certainly do. Uh, please pray for the repose of the soul of Ruth Ann Bolte. I ask you to pray for Ruth, uh, Ruth Ann. Last program, she's passed away. Um, she had said many times she was praying to God that he would allow her to do her purgatory here. And uh, for those who knew her, uh, her <clears throat> devotion to taking care of her husband, uh, who was ill, and then uh, her own illness, well, it very possibly is that God did hear that prayer and uh, answered it affirmatively. She had a great deal of suffering, but she was uh, very faithful. In fact, some of our listeners were involved in helping her in her last days. God bless them for that spiritual and corporal work, works of mercy that they performed. And also a little child, uh, a little boy who uh, is ill. So please uh, pray for him and his older brother. They both uh, have the same illness. We pray that they will be well. And... Um, also, please pray for, uh, well, one of our fine stalwarts here, Joe Percher, who's uh, suffering with, with illness. And um, I ask you also uh, to keep in your prayers the, uh, well, I don't want to mix politics with it, but they're political prisoners right now. Uh, the January 6th uh, people who are accused in the media of being insurrectionists, and yet not a single one of them has, has been accused or charged with insurrection. Uh, but they are, many of them, jailed right now in the most horrible conditions, really. Uh, not only third world country conditions, but even uh, gulag conditions uh, by the Democratic Party. And uh, especially, I mean, they've been called the prisoners of Nancy Pelosi, you know, because, uh, well, anyway, we'll get into that. But please do uh, keep them in your prayers. There are quite a few. We do read a little bit about them from time to time. I don't want them to be forgotten. They need your prayers to support them and sustain them through this ordeal. So please do keep them all in your prayers. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Father. There are also a lot of people who are victims of other people's uh, misdoing, right? Pray for the people, the Ukraine. They're suffering because of uh, governments, um, rapaciousness of governments right now, <laughs> lots of governments. <laughs> so please uh, keep them in your prayers. But again, they're, you know, everywhere you look in the world, they're. There are those who are suffering because of the uh, of the pride and savagery of human beings, right? Uh, speaking of savagery, uh, you know, I think in terms of the uh, abortion itself as being the the height of savagery, and uh, something rather remarkable happened on last Friday, the feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, right? Something I never thought I'd live to see. Really? Wow. Um, okay. Yes, yes, Father. A lot, well, a lot happened. Happened. Well, that happened. You were on retreat, weren't you? I was you were on the men's retreat. Yes, Father. Do you mind if I ask you what you made of the retreat? 
I thought it was wonderful as usual, Father. I've uh, been for, uh, I think, uh, four or five of the last years now, and every time it is um, definitely, definitely worth the experience. Just the couple of days that it is, I think, are very powerful, maybe even life-changing. Yeah. I think just to take a couple of days to focus on what actually really matters. And, of course, the conferences were great from yourself and Father Greenwell, but also just the opportunity to... Uh, attend daily Mass, um, receive daily sacraments, and uh, there's also the, the benediction, the 15 decades of the rosary, um, all the spiritual conferences, spiritual reading. Um, it's just a great, great time. But I think my personal <laughs> favorite uh, aspect of the Holy Treat is, is the silence part. Mm -hmm. um, just very, very powerful. Um, just have total silence for uh, for just those couple days. I think that's, that's uh, it's so, uh, so rare <laughs> in the mm -hmm. world today to have any any kind of uh, silence whatsoever. There's just so much noise. Silence is very therapeutic, right? Yes. Not only physically, but especially spiritually yes. therapeutic. Yes. Right? yes. But yeah, we had a we had a great crowd. I think there were around 25 or so men um, mm. from all different different states. There, we had a lot of uh, men from here in Cincinnati mm. that came to the retreat, and I would definitely recommend it to. Now, even there was silence during the retreat. Uh, it must have been good getting together with like-minded men from all over. Uh, you did get a chance to talk a little bit, right? Yes. The beginning yes. and the end. That's beginning and the end. edifying. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, yeah. met a lot of great people from, from different parishes, um, from some of our missions. And, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, Pennsylvania, New York, um, all, all over the place. So Now, Hannah, uh, your wife was uh, on the ladies' retreat the yes, week before, right? Yes, that is true. Yes. And she also was pleased? Yes, Father. <laughs> I think she also uh, You were Mr. Thoroughly... Mom during that time. I was. <laughs> I was. I tried my best, but... Uh, a sore replacement but uh yeah i think she also Were the kids cheering when mom went home a cat got home and you went on a oh, retreat <laughs> maybe a little bit <laughs> um but yeah she definitely enjoyed the silence aspect too i would say yeah definitely a big change for her so good. well i'm glad you both could do that yes thank you for making them I possible that thank you, inspire uh, others to follow your good example hopefully, hopefully thanks to father greenwell as well for, now when the news came in during the retreat right <clears throat> that uh roe versus wade had been overturned mm -hmm. right what was the reaction well, there was we we were still on the on the silent retreat, so we uh, tried to maintain uh, silence for that. But uh, I wasn't there's, there at the time. Right? There, well, you actually announced it to us, Father. We. Uh, <clears throat> but I heard that one of the retreatants couldn't retrain restrain himself and got the word somehow and uh, did announce it. Oh, maybe not, maybe not you weren't there at the time. Okay. It wasn't officially <laughs> announced. Uh, it may have. May I have see. Possibly okay. possibly been discussed, but no, I, I first heard it from you while uh, while on retreat at one of the conferences. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it, it was definitely um, uh, interesting to hear you say you never thought you would live to see that, but um, definitely something we've been praying for, definitely something very good that we're, we're very happy and elated to see. Um, what what was your reaction to it, Father? Because we've seen so many, so much, <laughs> so much, so many strong reactions to this. I mean, of course, um, from the left, you know, we're just seeing some crazy, insane, um, all these, these nights of rage and... Uh, just, just so much destruction, and I mean, churches literally being burned to the ground, and um, just all kinds of, of terrible things happening with that. But on the on the the right, um, political right, but also I guess you know the the conservatives, Christians, um, Catholics. There's uh, definitely a lot of elation. We I think definitely maybe rightly view this as a as an answer to prayer, um, something that we've been praying for for a long long time. Do you view it in the same way, Father, as as an answer to prayer? Do you view this, view this as a work of grace? Oh, absolutely. Uh, from beginning to end, it, it is the work of prayer, and therefore grace. 
Um, I was amazed, actually. Um, I mean, you know, since the draft of uh, uh, Alito, Justice Alito, was, um, was leaked in order to, um, shall we say, ignite you know, like a vast uprising, right? <laughs> the abortionists against the Supreme Court. Um, I was uh, very tentative about believing that it would actually come to pass. <laughs> uh, why? Well, because uh, the justices, um, well, at least the majority of them, I mean, there, there are some in whom I have more confidence than others sta standing for the right thing. When the Supreme Court, for example, voted uh, or decided not to hear Texas, saying Texas had no standing uh, to bring suit uh, because of the election, mm -hmm. the, the anomalies in the election <clears throat> um, for the presidency, when the court's decision was that Texas has no standing, I thought this is so egregiously uh, wrong, right? I mean, to say that a state actually, and it was backed up by about a 17 or 18 other states who were actually supporting yeah. Texas in this. So say that the individual states have no interest, basically that's what it said, that they're somehow not uh, damaged or injured by, um, let's say, uh, you know, a fraudulent election of the president yeah. is so completely ridiculous. You know, I, I, I feared that it might be another case where they would simply um, cave in to... Um, to the rage, you know, of the abortionists. And let's face it, I mean, uh, abortion basically has unleashed, unleashed a savagery in our country uh, over the years that, that has brought us to this point. Uh, this rage is nothing but savagery. And uh, they've been raging against the, the unborn child all this time. And uh, for those who would now would protect the unborn child, the, the rage will be turned against those who will protect them. And uh, the rage has been so great against the unborn child that they would kill the child, put the child to death. So we shouldn't be surprised that those who would protect the unborn child now from that same rage would be subjected to it and uh, would find themselves being threatened, even, even with death. <clears throat> um, so uh, we see this kind of unleashed on this country right now, but the point is that uh, we've been brought to uh, here, we've been brought here to this right now, this situation right now, uh, by abortion and the fact that uh, we simply did not oppose it. 1973. The, we should have seen in 1973, January 23rd, the day after the, we should have seen the night, the day of rage. We should have, that's where we should have seen the day of rage, that people were outraged that the Supreme Court, by a vote of seven to two, would strike down anti-abortion laws and basically make the baby in the womb fair game um, to be uh, marked for destruction. You know, that should have brought out uh, not the worst, but the best in Americans. <clears throat> now, not that I'm saying they should have rioted. No, I, I would not ever say that. Not that I'm saying that they should have... Uh, shown their outrage by, you know, looting televisions and, and thereby proclaiming their allegiance to, you know, pro-life. <laughs> but uh, but, um, but uh, to let them, to march, you know, in Washington in force in, in such a way that they protest, I mean, honest to goodness, protest, not, 
not uh, a mostly peaceful protest. I mean, an actual, very, totally peaceful protest. <clears throat> but there should have been enough of a reaction in this country to let everyone know that the vast majority of the people of America do not support that. And they didn't support it at all. But now that it has gone on and on, the killing has gone on and on for years, it is one more, a whole, a whole generation has grown up thinking abortion is normal. Right? Thinking abortion is a right, a natural right they have, and a right recognized by government. And they are outraged to think that they don't have that right. So they will, they, but it is normal for them then to, as they were engaged in the destruction of innocent human life by the millions for all these years, now that uh, that right is threatened, that they would engage in violence. This is normal. This is standard operating procedure for them. This is what abortion is. It is not the most violent act you can imagine. Um, you know, you, you read about what is happening to the child and the woman, you think of that as, uh, this is the way the child is being executed, and it's, it's a horrific way to die. <clears throat> it's all about, abortion is all about violence. So we shouldn't be surprised if those who support it are violent, and, 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 and a drop of a hat turn violent. Uh, think nothing of venting their rage. Well, you saw the threats to the Supreme Court justices, right? You saw all of that. Uh, the profanity, the, the obscenities, the, uh, uh, you know, just uh, the, the language that comes out of their mouth, out of, out of the mouth, uh, you know, the heart, the heart, heart pours out, as I basically said. What is in the heart comes pouring out of the mouth, you know. And what comes out of the mouth of these people is very dark indeed. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I was actually surprised when the members of the Supreme Court, actually there were six of them, five, five of them actually um, carried the day in uh, talking about the Dobbs yeah. situation down in Mississippi, I guess it was, right? And uh, they, they took that opportunity to speak against the Roe versus Wade decision of January 22nd, 1973. Okay, and they said it, it was it was terrible. It was it was a travesty of, of law, basically, yes. right? Or judge judgment. Um, but a sixth, Roberts, um, departed from them. Right? He put out his own position, in which he he upheld. He uh, actually voted against the Dobbs, whatever it was, um, whatever suit that was. But he said we should not thereby turn over or overturn Roe versus Wade. So uh, Roberts had his own take on it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if he caved into the mob or if he, he was just speaking his lack of convictions. I have no idea. Yeah. But um, Roberts all along has, has um, not disappointed the leftists. So I, I don't know of a single case where he's... Uh, actually um, disappointed the leftists. But I'm surprised that the other justices held firm, and it could only be because of the grace of God. So I thank God for that. I thank them for that. And I would just urge everyone to pray for them. Mm -hmm. Please pray for those in leadership now who want to actually follow through. Because if their point is that, and the point seems to be on everybody's part, this is a human life we're dealing with here. Everybody seems to be acknowledging that now. This is human life in the womb. And um, if we're saying that, uh, if we're admitting there's no right to terminate that life, to kill that life, 
Now we have to follow through, and we have to make sure that it doesn't stop here with merely a declaration of five members of the Supreme Court that, no, there is no right to abortion in the United States Constitution. <clears throat> it's somewhat like seeking absolution for the nation and its constitution um, for responsibility for abortion after all these millions of deaths. However, it doesn't stop the killing. The states now have the right to uh, decide, according to law, right, uh, whether they will permit abortion or not, under what circumstances. number of states have already banned it. Right? Some are restricting it. And, um, you know, there are other states, like, such as California, that want to be like abortion havens in the country, right? But uh, the point is, if, if we understand those, those who made this rather bold move to reverse Roe versus Wade, understand that this is human life that is being attacked here and being put to death, then we have to follow through. And we have, cannot rest until abortion is simply banned entirely, that is criminalized in the entire nation uh, and enforced. We cannot rest until that happens. If we, believe that innocent human, if we believe that innocent human life is being wantonly put to death <clears throat> by abortion, then we cannot rest until we follow through to the ultimate logical, necessary, moral conclusion that it must not be done anywhere in our country, right? Must not be recognized as legal anywhere in our country because it's murder. Mm -hmm. Father, there, there were some who, uh, who are saying that, um, you know, while this may be a very good thing that the Supreme Court did, we, we shouldn't get too excited. Um, I even read, read one piece where the author uh, compared what the Supreme Court did to what Pontius Pilate did during our Lord's trial, uh, where he kind of, you know, maybe personally believed one thing, but kind of put it off on, on someone else. And uh, there are those who say that, you know, with the Supreme Court's decision that um, abortion might not really even decrease. It's just, you know, we, in some states, uh, I guess in a, a few states, it will be totally banned. But then a lot of states, it will be banned from a certain point. Um, but also, you know, in many of those cases, the next state over has total abortion, no restrictions on it whatsoever. Um, so there are those who are saying, you know, while this might be a good thing, we shouldn't be too excited about it and we shouldn't expect too much from this. What would you make of that opinion? Well, I mean, it's true. You know, there are states that are mostly uh, blue states, right, which have declared their outrage. Oddly enough, much of the violence is, is in taking place in blue states. And that's understandable because blue states encourage violence, okay? Um, I mean, the, the violence has been going on for the last two years in cities like Portland, and, you know. Um, there you have very leftist <clears throat> governors and mayors and so on. <clears throat> and they're the states where, you know, they expect that abortion will just continue unabated or even increase uh, because they'll become like, well, as I say, islands of abortion, or, uh, <clears throat> havens for abortion seekers, you know. Um, and yet this is, again, where the violence primarily the violence is taking place. Um, but I think that there is something that has to be noted from what you're saying here, Tom, and that is the battle is far from over. I mean, uh, basically, this is, uh, we've, we've won some skirmishes, haven't really run into real, won any real battles, let alone won the war. But this is the first time we've won an actual battle over it, I would say. We've just won a skirmish here or there. 
uh, in all this time. And it's, you know, encouraged us. We realize that the grace of God is, of course, still, still active, still there. And there are a lot of good people out there who realize the, the evil of abortion, understand what it is and how wrong it is. <clears throat> but they themselves are kind of beaten into a compromise position by their leaders, even pro-life leaders, uh, compromise, because they're not really pro-life. If they were, how could they, how could they negotiate over the life of children? You know, if they were really pro-life. But unfortunately, we've had these so-called pro-life leaders who, who've led us into this, um, the valley of death <laughs> so, by a spirit of compromise with the abortionists. And when you compromise over the abortions, saying, well, it's okay for you to kill three of these children, but not all of them. Uh, you've just lost the entire battle. The principle's gone. Lost the entire war. So, um, but there are still a lot of people out there who realize this is innocent human life and you cannot kill it, period. And um, that's the point we have to make. It's not been made yet. If the Supreme Court is simply saying that there is no right to uh, abort, certainly not from uh, the 14th Amendment or whatever, the right to privacy, nothing to do. There's nothing granted to a, a right to an abortion there. Um, they have basically thrown it off back to the states. But I think it is a, a very, very important, well, there, there are actually several important points uh, that arise from this. And uh, Justice Clarence Thomas has made those points very clearly, uh, together with Justice Alito, too. But uh, the one point is, we finally, in a sense, have the American, the Constitution of the United States of America uh, exonerated of this evil, because Americans have been told falsely all this time that the Constitution of the United States of America gives people in this country the right to abort their children. It's a bald-faced lie. It's a complete fabrication. Uh, Justice Alito's uh, decision makes that very clear, I think. Right? And the United States uh, Constitution and the framers of the Constitution had no no concept of this, no intention of this, and certainly uh, there is no foundation for it whatsoever in the Constitution. And so it's, it's almost like we're saying, oh, the Constitution is not, the pro it's not at fault here. I mean, it's, it, it is not <clears throat> responsible for this evil. We could talk about the other ramifications of it uh, in terms of faith and religion too, you know, but the point is that this is a very important point to make that in terms of the law governing our land, the law governing our land does not afford the right to abort baby. I think that's a very important first statement. But Justice um, Thomas was also saying, and by the way, he's drawn the most hatred for this, right? He's done so much venom. Um, the, uh, he's drawn the, the, uh, the point that there have been laws that have been enacted, or I should say, I can't say laws, judgments have been made, although they certainly can make law through the back door. Uh, but judge, judgments have been made by the Supreme Court, which has opened up a whole slew of new phony rights, just total fake rights, right? Uh, with regard to, um, you know, sexual immorality and so on. And all of these have been predicated on the same false positions, same falsehoods with regard to interpreting the Constitution. And Justice uh, Thomas says, now, now that we've succeeded in, in framing the abortion question in the right light and, and stating clearly 
that it has no foundation in the Constitution, really. Now we need to revisit all these other things, too, and see how did they derive these rights from the Constitution when there is no foundation in the Constitution for them. It's pure and simple uh, chicanery. Uh, uh, so I think he's making a very good point there, that once you establish that the reasoning process uh, is faulty, and there is no, no foundation in law or justice for this, all those other things that were manufactured by the same uh, invention, shall we say, uh, need to be re-examined and uh, overturned too. They should all fall. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, we certainly appreciate Justice Thomas and his courage as he's taken an enormous amount of abuse and he's willing to do it. God bless him for it. Mm -hmm. And Justice Alito, too. Yeah. Father, what do you, uh, what do you make of uh, Francis and the Vatican and the Osorio Church as a whole, their response to all of this? We've seen, um, I've read just, just a few of some of the statements that have come out, and uh, they seem to be um, rather lackluster and weak, maybe, and uh, just kind of vague and, and generalization, saying, you know, I, I guess just generally saying that this is a good thing, we need to keep fighting for life or, um, you know, kind of general things like that. Um, I don't know that Francis himself has even um, directly issued any kind of statement in regards to this, but have you read any of the Novus Ordo Church's uh, response or reaction to any of this? Well, there are more conservative bishops in the Novus Ordo who came out in favor of it and expressed gratitude to God for it and insisted that we keep praying, you know. So essentially, I think what they're saying is, you know, compatible with Catholic faith, certainly. Francis himself, you know, when he, when he was first named um, by the, well, the St. Gallen Mafia, essentially through their efforts, as uh, Pope Francis I, when they basically um, dubbed him that, right? Um, one of the first things he said uh, <clears throat> was that um, when Jorge Bergoglio, and I'll begin speaking as Francis, one of the first things he said was, we have to stop obsessing. He said, the Catholic people have to stop obsessing about matters of sexual morality. We have to stop obsessing about birth control. We have to stop obsessing about uh, divorce. We have to stop obsessing about ab abortion, he said. He said that explicitly. <clears throat> One of the first things he said when he had the, uh, uh, the title Francis, uh, Pope Francis, one of the first things he said when he had the microphone was to instruct the, the Catholic people of the world to stop obsessing about abortion. But thank goodness enough people did not pay attention to that, right? Because it were up to Francis, everybody would have dropped the, dropped the subject, basically. He himself, back in the Vatican, has been awarding abortionists, uh, awarding them, you know, church honors. Abortionists, notorious abortionists. He's been awarding them throughout all these years um, for their work, their hum work for humanity. And they are the prime movers and shakers behind the abortions, promoting abortion. So what does that tell you? I know what it tells you. And um, it should tell everybody that he's a fraud, right? And uh, he, he was having meetings in the Vatican with some Catholic families. I don't know what kind of families he's been meeting with. So somehow he made an oblique statement about the importance of the family. And it can be interpreted to be like a, a kind of a wink and a nod toward the overturning of Roe versus Wade. I don't think he ever mentioned it explicitly. I don't think he ever acknowledged the overturning of Roe versus Wade explicitly. 
<clears throat> but people are interpreting again. They're trying to interpret his words in the best possible fashion, no matter what they have to do to, you know, just ignore the truth, right? The reality of it is, is not good. Uh, but somehow they're trying to create a fictitious Francis that is really pro-life. Um, but at least he didn't denounce it. At least he did not come out and denounce it. I mean, how could he really, right? Uh, come out and say, this was a terrible tragedy and uh, we, we feel your pain. Uh, you, you, um, women out there who don't have access, won't have access to abortion anymore. He didn't say that. Um, he did not sympathize with them. Yet, yet. So again, some of the Nova Cerro bishops have spoken uh, very much in favor of the overturning of Roe versus Wade, and they're very. But the thing that gets me, though, Tom, about that, even the even the Nova Cerro bishops who are speaking so favorably about the overturning of Roe versus Wade and applauding it and thanking God for it, where were they? I mean, were they? leading the charge against abortion in their dioceses? Were they telling the Catholic people to go down to uh, the abort abortion chambers, uh, stand outside, pray the rosary every day, give them no peace uh, spiritually? Were they, you know, organizing rosary processions and marches and so on in their dioceses, marshalling the forces of the Catholics? Where was their leadership during that time? I mean, it's fine for them to come out now and say, Oh, it's a good thing we overturned Roe versus Wade. This was such a tragic thing. Um, and, you know, we applaud the justices and their courage and so on. Where were the bishops and their courage? Where, where were they with their courage uh, when, um, you know, you needed people actually out there um, voicing the, the concern as Catholics uh, on behalf of the church? You know? <clears throat> very limp-wristed, very weak. Um, and uh, very much an embarrassment. That's why last Sunday when I, in the pulpit I said, we cannot thank the, the New Order bishops for this in any way, really. <clears throat> uh, their leadership has produced actually little or nothing. Mm -hmm. But it was the people in the pews who were praying and praying and praying for it. And some of the clergy too. I think all of the traditional Catholic clergy were speaking very boldly about, about this and had been for years and uh, marshalling the forces of prayer. And I think that is the key that obtained the graces. I know it is the key that obtained the graces that were needed, finally, to uh, enable five Supreme Court justices to stand up and do the, what was right. Mm -hmm. Now the battle is going to be fought in the States, and unfortunately, unfortunately judges, leftist judges, are already uh, basically uh, putting holds on this, right? Yeah. You know that. Yes. Uh, putting holds on the state's uh, prohibition of abortion. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a battle, it's still a battle in the courts. That's why we need to pray there, as we do here, on the first Sunday of every month at the uh, Hamblin County <coughs> Justice Center. Uh, Hamblin County Courthouse, we have the rosary there outside the gates of the courthouse uh, every first Sunday. Because right. that's, that's where the battle is right now. Mm -hmm. Father, there are uh, many traditional Catholics who... Um, who uh, find it no small matter that this this decision came out on the feast of the Sacred Heart, mm -hmm. um, just this past Friday. You know, of course, we have this whole month of June that's dedicated to the Sacred Heart. But um, there there are some who say, um, you know, they find this quite remarkable, considering that um, you know our entire country it seems has been uh, veering left, where we have a, a leftist president. Um, I mean, leftist 
everything it seems our our culture is um just you know entirely disastrous and rotten right now and it seems that our entire country and everything and all of our institutions are moving left um even the supreme court itself has given us very little reason to hope in it and yet we had this kind of anomaly it seems where they um you know actually made the right decision here and uh did something good for a change and there are many who attribute that to the sacred heart um seeing that this came on the feast of the sacred heart and there have been so many so many prayers um, offered to the Sacred Heart in reparation for abortion, but do you see any connection there, Father? During this month of June, on the Feast of the Sacred Heart, do you see any, any connection? Oh, clearly. There's clearly a, a connection, Tom. I mean, there are no coincidences like this, certainly. And uh, the fact that uh, our Lord chose that feast day in order to make this happen, I'd like to think the justices themselves were aware of that and uh, maybe moved by the Sacred Heart to make the decision on that feast day. I understand they made the decision on Friday so that uh, the Supreme Court would not be in session and they'd be away uh, when the rage followed, which is perfect. That's a matter of prudence, right? Yeah. That's a matter of prudence. So I'm not saying that they chose Friday as, you know, um, <clears throat> um, you know a special day, but it, it certainly is no coincidence that it is a Friday and that Friday of all Fridays when they actually made this decision and uh, took this stand. I'm, I'm sure it, I'm sure it has um, everything to do with it. You know, when our Lord appeared to St. Margaret Mary back in the 1680s, he actually showed her his heart. He held it out before her. And there you have the image of the sacred heart of Jesus, uh, aflame with love for us and scourged and circled with thorns and so on, uh, showing his suffering and his passion for us, born out of love for us. And our Lord said to St. Margaret Mary, he said, Behold the heart which has so loved mankind, which is rewarded with so much forgetfulness, negligence, and contempt. Right? And the forgetfulness, we might talk about the Catholics, that we just go through life unmindful of our Lord and, and his love for us and we owe him. Others, mindful of it, just can't be bothered. But there are others who are contemptuous. And uh, certainly, you know, abortion is like the, the extreme of contempt for God and the extreme of contempt for the love of our Lord and his sacred heart. And um, certainly that would apply. Um, the statement of our Lord's applies to our own day, particularly in a particular way to the abortion industry. You know, we talk about stilling a beating heart. Abortion stills a beating heart. We talk about the attack on heart. We talk about a heartbeat bill. And uh, so much of the, of the rhetoric surrounding abortion has to do, it's, it's not just with rhetoric, it's actually faith and belief, uh, and uh, it concerns the heart. And people seem to understand the meaning of that, the significance of it. And here on the Feast Day of our Lord's own sacred heart, uh, Roe versus Wade is overturned. Okay. Um, I understand, by the way, that when Roe versus Wade was enacted uh, by the Supreme Court, determined that there were only three states in the Union that actually had legalized abortion. Did you hear that? Mm -hmm. Someone informed me of that recently. That the time Roe versus Wade was was adjudged by the Supreme Court, seven, seven judges to two, seven justices to two, struck down all the anti-abortion laws, that all but three of the states actually banned abortion. 
and that abortion actually was only applicable in three of the states of the Union shows how rapidly things deteriorated and how far they went, right? And how much ground there is yet to recover, too. Um, so there's, there's no doubt in my mind that the Peace of the Sacred Heart is a turning point and will be remembered as a turning point. <clears throat> but it can only be a turning point if we follow through. So we have to renew our prayers, we double our prayers, because we see our Lord is, is fighting this battle for us now. Uh, we see that heaven has, um, you know, sent its angels to assist us in this, certainly. And um, now this is a, a, not only a challenge from the abortionists, it's almost like this is a challenge from heaven now. There's a challenge from our Lord himself, from his own sacred heart, saying, I will... I assist you in this. I will. I will give you this. This great grace. This great benefit. This great gift. Now, what will you do? Now, what will you do for me? Just to show you that I am with you, and that, that yes, I do have the power to, to to deal with this. And I am mindful of you. I'm hearing your 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 cries to me, and uh, and I will support you. What will you do? So we have to follow through. And what, what should we do, Father? Because we, we... Well, we have to not only keep praying, we have to pray more. I mean, you know, there are those who have been praying and praying and praying right along. But there are many who, whose prayers are very haphazard. And there are even traditional Catholic families who, which do not pray the rosary every day. They don't. And there's, it's as though there's nothing you can do to convince them of the necessity uh, of praying the rosary every day. Not, there, are, there are quite a goodly number of traditional Catholic families who do not consider it their bounden duty as traditional Catholics to pray the rosary each day, Every, despite everything the Church has said, despite everything the Blessed Mother has said, despite everything that has happened to our country uh, and the terrible need that is there. For some reason, they exempt themselves and think that whatever else they've got to do is much more important. Uh, I would think we need to convince them. We need to go to them and say, now look, this is really a matter of life and death here, literally. And we need you to uh, stop being worldly and, 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 and stop thinking like worldlings and pagans. We need you to, to join us. We, we have to press them. We have to insist that they too come and join us in those prayers. Such as at the Hambledon County Courthouse on First Sundays. I mean, we have 150, anywhere from 250 to 250 people there. Um, we should have 500 people there easily. Easily. Shouldn't be any problem at all. Getting 500 people there. Where are they? They've got better things to do. They don't, though. They think they do. That's the problem. <clears throat> so uh, I'm hoping that now this will inspire them now to think, oh my goodness, you know, that if, if the battle is turning here, now we have something to fight for. Maybe it'll stir up their, the virtue of hope in them and think maybe we, we need to rise to the occasion now start riding to the sound of the guns and not riding to safety. Uh, so um, I'm hoping that that will happen, number one. We also have to be absolutely certain that we do not elect any uh, Judases and Turcotes. And by that, I mean those who will talk a good game and uh, about, you know, I, I use the pro-life. I'm using pro-life, the terminology pro-life. Not basically in the generally understood term, <clears throat> because pro-life as it is spoken of, kind of out there, <laughs> you know, has to do with just <clears throat> preventing a mother from aborting her baby. 
and thereby aborting her motherhood, right? So it is moved by, a, I believe, a genuine love for the baby and the mother, but it has no reference to the salvation of the soul, no reference to eternal life. For a Catholic, it's an unacceptable. For a Catholic, we have to realize that when we talk about pro-life, we're talking about not only pro-life, let, let the baby survive, live out, live out its life, because, you know, it does matter to us whether the baby lives its life out and then goes to hell. We don't want that, right? God doesn't want that. We don't want the mother to simply live out her life and lose her soul in the end. So for us, pro-life means not only, <clears throat> you know, letting the child survive and letting the mother not murder her, her, her own motherhood, but trying to support them in our prayers. Not, well, actually, supporting them materially with their material needs is very important, too. But especially supporting them in our prayers, too, that they may be converted and live, that they will, that they will you know, find the true faith, that they will embrace it, they will live it, and they will die in it, and they will be saved. They will have everlasting life. That's what we mean by pro-life. We're talking about, ultimately, everlasting life in heaven. But it has to start somewhere. And, you know, for us, we, just want the, we don't just want the child to survive birth. That's just the beginning. But it's a good beginning. It's a necessary beginning, right? So um, that's where we've applied our efforts, and we'll continue to do so. So we have to um, look to uh, give mo mothers every incentive to keep, let their babies live, to help them in every way we can, um, to, uh, well, as they say, choose life to let their babies live, and to offset the pressures that are brought upon them to murder their children. Uh, the moral, the, the, the social uh, pressures, the political pressures, the economic pressures, all of them. We have to do whatever we can to help to offset that. And, but we also have to provide the superior, su uh, spiritual support for them. And uh, as I say, that always comes down to prayer. We also have to, um, uh, as I say, go to the polls and make sure we can elect men and women who genuinely are pro-life in the Catholic sense of the word, the matters of uh, faith, hope, and charity, pro-life, really pro-life, divine life. Uh, we need to elect people like that we can count on. There are too many people out there. Well, uh, who is this uh, Democratic representative from, what, South Carolina, who just came out and said, actually said it out loud, we need to put sleepers, Democrats, running for office as Republicans so we can get them in place. I mean, this is warfare. This is political warfare here. And um, th this is the kind of, um, what, should I, what should I call it, depraved mind we're dealing with, you know? Cruel, depraved, uh, despotic mind, you know? I mean, uh, who was it who coined the phrase, oh, Hillary Clinton said that those who were Trump supporters were deplorables. But others have come out and said, rightly so, that those who support this regime and other regimes that would be just like it are detestable and despicable. It's really despicable. What kind of mentality is so despicable that it would say we have to infiltrate? I mean, the communists, the, this is what communists do. This is how they do it. Uh, take over a country. So we can't settle for that anymore. We have to be sure and... Um, yeah, I don't care, you know, who endorses who. Uh, it doesn't matter to me. I want to make sure that if I'm going to cast a vote, it's going to be for somebody I can cast a vote for in good conscience, not just because somebody says, vote for that man. Huh. You know, I don't trust that judgment anymore. Too many errors have been made to have much confidence in that.
Um, so, in any case, um, but we have to elect a true, genuinely pro-life uh, representatives uh, uh, to take their places, you know, in, in Congress, the halls of Congress, in, uh, in the White House, and, uh, and insist that they keep their promises. Mm -hmm. Father, do you think there's um, anything to this talk of um, battle lines kind of being drawn right now where, I mean, people, it's really people are being divided into two camps. We have, uh, you know, these really pro-life, um, you know, kind of more, more conservative states versus these, these blue, really pro-abortion states. And even just in our general populace, we have, you know, those who are just so incredibly rapidly pro-abortion, pro-death versus those who are, you know, just really, really pro-life. Um, then there's, there's been a lot of talk of, of civil war and some saying, you know, this could definitely contribute to that. And we just kind of have these battle lines being drawn in America. We're just becoming more and more and more divided. Well, they kind of polarization, and they kind of polar, polarizing issues. And if ever there was a polarizing issue, abortion is one of them, because uh, abortion is it. Because those of you, those who believe that this is a human life that is being wantonly, savagely destroyed because of somebody's selfishness, uh, then they can't, well, logically, morally, they can't budge on that. They can't negotiate over that. Um, and those uh, on the abortion side who actually might even say, well, it's a human life, but it has no value to me. My life is more valuable. And so I demand the right to kill it um, because it's in my way. You know, it's an inconvenient aspect of my life, and I don't want that responsibility for this child. Um, there can be no middle ground here. There is no middle ground whatsoever. So, yeah, and on this issue, there, there's going to have to be uh, an all or nothing. Uh, I mean, the abortionists have made it very clear. The abortionists have made it very, very clear that it's all or nothing. Uh, they will settle for nothing less than all, right? <clears throat> that no life is safe in the womb, right up till birth. And already they're making noises about even carrying it beyond that, you know? And why not? Logically, there's nothing to prevent them from doing so. <clears throat> it's the, it's the pro-lifers, so-called, who have who've been compromising, doing all the compromising. And uh, that is because, again, we have false pro-lifers who are not really pro-life. Uh, they think they are, but they're not. Um, and we have to, you know, stop pretending with them that they are pro-life and not settled with them, for them anymore. Mm -hmm. Now we've got to go for this. Um, so, yes, I, I think that it could very easily come to that. I mean, look, it came to that with slavery, right? Uh, came to a war between the states, and, and, and ultimately that was fought over the uh, states' rights, right? Well, here in this, in this country, we might have a, a great settling out where, um, you know, we have people fleeing California and fleeing other uh, liberal uh, leftist states governed by leftist uh, potentates, and, uh, shamans, uh, high, high priests of the left, who uh, think they can pontificate about the morals of the, of the nation, you know, and so on, at least the morals of their people and dictate to them. Of course, you know, we're told that we're imposing our religion uh, in banning abortion, <clears throat> but, you know, they, they would never, never, ever allow you to suggest that they're imposing their religion or lack of it, uh, as though, you know, they're guilty of that, right? No, no, you would never be, ever dare say anything like that, not to them. But it's, in fact, exactly what it is. They're imposing their godlessness and their hatred of God 
especially the hatred of Jesus Christ. They're trying to impose it on everyone. <clears throat> and um, you can't let it, let it happen. Um, the, um, the states might, might the, the populations might gravitate. I mean, those who are leftists might gravitate out of the uh, conservative states, if you want to call them conservative, and uh, go find their, their leftist Garden of Eden somewhere, which will be like going to, you know, purgatory or worse. And uh, those who are actually living now in the leftist states or states governed by leftists should try, they should try to find every way possible. Well, if they can't, if they can't get a majority of voters in their states to stand up and vote uh, against all of this, this evil, then they should clear out, right? Like you would clear out from Sodom and Gomorrah. What did our Lord tell them? Tell Lot and his family, get out, get out now. Because, I, I, you know, the, 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 the city is, is so perverse, Sodom was so perverse, and Gomorrah was so perverse, that uh, they couldn't find ten just men. And people in those blue states now, if they can't find the ten just men to turn their states around, I think God would give them the same command, get out, clear out, clear out. Because they're going to reap what they've sown. And you're going to be suffering with them, the punishment for this. <clears throat> and uh, so, yeah, the states might settle that way. They might have a lot of migration internally. I think we already have a lot of migration going on internally. As people are fleeing the maniacs, the leftist maniacs of certain states, and their grip. Um, it might actually intensify now, I don't know. Uh, which might, um, you know, consolidate the hold of uh, the godless over certain states, but maybe consolidate the hold of the God-fearing and God-loving over other states. We'll see. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Okay. Well, Father, I think uh, perhaps we can end with that, unless you had anything else that you'd like to add. I would just say that, um, yeah, we have a lot of uh, programs that are uh, perhaps a, a, a bit down, <laughs> a, bit, mm -hmm. a bit dreary and depressing, just talking about, uh, you know, things that are going on in the in the world. There's Oftentimes, not a lot of good happening, um, but it's nice to have something very positive to talk about, mm -hmm. something very encouraging. And hopefully, like you said, um, people can, get all good people all, all over in America can kind of take this as a uh, as a sign of, of hope and uh, actually do something with it. And I, you know, I just had this discussion with someone the other day of um, saying how, uh, you know, our, our Lord tells us that uh, whatever we ask for in prayer in His name, He will he will give it to us. And um, Our Lady at Fatima said that the reason most sinners go to hell is because no one is praying for them. And so combining those two things, if we are simply to pray, um, we, I don't mm -hmm. think, should be surprised one bit if well, we hear our prayers. I encourage answer. everyone to pray the rosary and, and uh, everyone to re return to the traditional faith. Practice the traditional Catholic faith and don't settle for anything less. Okay? I mean, there are those who are traditional Catholics and those who are conditional Catholics meaning there are those who want to form some kind of a hybrid between the Novus Ordo, the changes, and the traditional faith. And that doesn't work anymore. You can have a, a conservative leftist or a leftist conservative, you know. Um, it just doesn't work. You can't have a modernist Catholic or a Catholic modernist. There really is no such thing. It's, it's an oxymoron. Um, so for our faith, one has to practice the faith entirely. And I would just tell them, uh, people who are out there trying to find a way to practice, be Catholics within the Novus Ordo, 
you are not meant, you were never meant to be Catholics within the Novus Ordo. You were never meant by the Novus Ordo to be Catholics within the Novus Ordo. They're modernists. You were never meant by God to be Catholics within the Novus Ordo because he, he rejects the Novus Ordo. It is modernism. And modernism has rejected Almighty God, as we know. It's rejected the Catholic faith. St. Tom, uh, St. Pius X referred to it as a synthesis, modernism as the synthesis of all heresies. And this is what you have in the Novus Ordo. After Vatican II, what came out of that was the modernist church with its modernist religion. It's called the New Order. They called it that. I didn't dub it that. They called it that. Those who created it called it that. Paul VI called it that. So uh, they have to return to practicing the traditional Catholic faith in its entirety. And they have to find a true traditional Catholic priest who is validly ordained according to traditional Catholic rite, and ordained by a bishop who himself was, con was consecrated a bishop according to the traditional Catholic rite. Um, going and tracing all the way back, right, to the traditional uh, practice of the, of the faith before Vatican II. And they have to uh, find somebody who, who is going to allow them to, and actually who himself, as a Catholic priest, intends to be a traditional Catholic priest in the full meaning of the term, and not compromise. Uh, there are traditional Catholic groups out there who are willing, which are willing to compromise. The Society of St. Pius X is a prime example of it. Willing to compromise, and that's why I'm not with Pius X, I'm not willing to make that compromise with modernism. <clears throat> but I would implore their priests and their laity to rethink their position and be fully traditional. Read Archbishop Lefebvre's last interview. Um, Archbishop Lefebvre was interviewed in 1991, right? uh, just a couple of months before he died. It was his last statement of what his position was. And it was very clear, very much to the point, and it really was a matter of no compromise with modernism. And that's what the Society of St. Pius X needs to read and take to heart right now, including all of its people, not just its priests, but its people too. Um, but that's the problem. You see, compromise all along is what has damaged us. That's what's brought us uh, to this point <clears throat> where we over, finally overturn Roe versus Wade and uh, the country erupts in rage, it seems, right? But again, Tom, I'll close with this because I know you... Uh, <laughs> We'd like to, uh, you know, cross the I and dot the T at this point, or the other way around, cross the T and dot the I, maybe. Uh, <clears throat> that is, you know, we hear about a country filled with rage in the media. That's what the mainstream media is telling us now. They're focusing on this rage, right? But you know what? <clears throat> when Roe versus Wade was overturned and word was getting out, there were so many thousands millions of people in America who rejoiced, who thanked God. They thanked God that this finally, this travesty was finally addressed, right? So some major decision by a national body of, you know, justices in our country, the Supreme Court, actually came out and said what so many millions of, of not only Catholics, certainly, but, but so many millions of good people we knew all along that this was wrong. This is just terribly, terribly wrong. And uh, there are millions of people there who, who realize that, who still have enough um, moral fiber and moral substance to them to realize that abortion is, is, is an incredible evil. That should be very encouraging to us. <laughs> what the mainstream media is showing us, as far as the outrage, is just the mainstream media's own personal message. 
That's their own bias that they're showing there. Those are the ones they're giving the microphones to right now. But they're just totally brushing off and burying, actually, uh, under a ton of, of, of rage. They're trying to bury all of those really good-hearted souls who've worked so hard to defend the, the unborn children and their mothers, and uh, who worked so hard for their country, who labored for their neighbors, who labored for Almighty God himself. All this time, there are millions of those people out there. That is so encouraging and should be so encouraging to us. And I'm hoping that this decision will bring all of those good people together in, a, in an unrelenting and unyielding and uncompromising resolve that this shall not pass, that we will see this through to the end and we will not sanction the murder of any child in the United States of America. Father, thank you for being here tonight and thank you for yeah. all that you do. I appreciate You're it. Welcome, time. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you to all of our viewers as well for watching this episode of What Catholics <clears throat> Believe. Until next time, we ask that you all remember the words of Our Lady at Fatima. To consecrate yourselves and your families to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and to pray and do penance. Thank you and God bless you.